0: Alrighty, folks, you are listening to Storm of the Desert Round 4 with Fon and Rowney. How are you going, Fon? Howdy. Howdy, howdy. Alright, so, uh, look, folks, on the last episode, uh, we were chatting to Fon about his uh, time when he sort of signed up to the military and all that sort of bits and pieces. So, uh, yeah, actually, Fon, I wanted to talk to you uh, this time around about sort of like the other side of it, man, About about when you came home and actually sort of had to adjust from being in this military war zone to actually coming home and sort of like adjusting to just civilian life if you will now but before i get started Fon, i'd like to make uh, a bit of an announcement to the listeners out there if you don't mind go right ahead sir all righty so uh folks at home uh, this very important announcement oh
1: oh there we go oh really Mm. Well, well uh, 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 if I may add to that announcement. Oh, what? If I can add to that announcement.
0: Oh, go ahead, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're good to get started, then, are we? Uh, one moment. <sighs> <laughs> Like quietly, bitch.
1: You don't get off until you cough. <coughs> okay, I think I'm
0: ready. And I'll tell you what, man, it's uh, it's kind of like we're doing a bit of a podcast radio thing here, man, because fucking, uh, Christ, man, I've seen your head and, mate, you've got a voice for radio and I swear to God, you've got the fucking face to suit.
1: Well, I just want to know if that's your fucking head or your goddamn neck threw up.
0: Oh, come on, man! I have seen better heads in the butcher shop window, sunshine.
1: I've seen better heads on beer, motherfucker.
0: Mate, you've got a face like a dropped pie. You know, I heard that um, the best way to
1: to to keep you from reproducing is to show you your dildo. Because I heard it went limp last time it looked at you.
0: I hey, do. What can I say? I use my fucking uh, personality as a contraceptive.
1: Feel the love. Don't step in it. Don't fucking step in it. Just feel it. If
0: you step in it, man, you
1: got to take your fucking shoes off before you come in the house.
0: Oh, dude, you have to see my house. I have to wipe my fucking feet on the way out. <laughs> wipe it off. Wipe it off. That didn't sound right at all. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, fucking flat out. I, I, yeah, as I said, the uh, last episode, I was like, wanted to ask about sort of like, um, Yeah, I asked you about uh, sort of you coming into the military. I want to ask now how you got out of there, how you adjusted to sort of coming home and adjusting to civilian life after being in the military that long. Like, can can you tell me, man, what was the first thing that happened when you got home? It was a huge fanfare. You
1: know, every uh, the, the entire nation was, you know... Extremely proud of us, and it was like you know the one time in my lifetime that we'll ever probably fucking see that. Um, we were coming home on on commercial airlines. Um, we were greeted at the airport where we landed at by huge crowds on the way back to the base. We were in buses. People were stopping alongside the roads, waving ass, and you know yellow ribbons everywhere. Um, hell, I remember. I hadn't gotten all my civilian clothes yet. And I met up with my wife. My wife surprised me. Believe it or not, she was uh, at the base waiting for me. And uh, unbelievable, man. Just uh, being in her arms again after, you know, was six months of deployment. It, it, it might not seem like a long time for most people, but, man, that was an eternity for me. Oh, Yeah. Um, just gotten married we weren't even able to go on our honeymoon but you know we survived it and when i got back on the base she was the first like the first person i saw she was waiting there for me i am the it was so nice to to be holding
0: her back in my arms again oh that's fucking amazing man did you actually manage to like uh redo that honeymoon you were supposed to do or no we never were able to <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> It, it it wasn't in the cards. Uh, um,
1: as soon as we got back, um, uh, I remember this one instance. Uh, we I hadn't gotten my civilians' clothes back yet, and we I was living with her. Uh, we hadn't gotten our our house off post yet, and we were hungry, so we went out to a restaurant. I walked into the restaurant. I was wearing my deserts, and the minute I walked in the entire restaurant stood up and started applauding, and I was just so humbled. Uh, uh, I just, beyond, I was like, whoa, I, I didn't know how to react. Yeah. Um, I, I was not allowed to pay for my food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't ask for any of that. I, I I was no different from any other motherfucker that came back. But, you know, that's just the way they treated us. Um, it was the one time in history, where history kind of went backwards a little bit, too, because um, I don't know if you heard all the horror stories about the Vietnam veterans coming home. Yes. Um, when they came home, they were criticized, they were spat on, they were, they were called baby killers. Yep. Desert Storm changed that for them. They finally got the recognition, and maybe it was too little too late, but at least they got it. That they deserved. I mean, they, the recognition they deserved. They were they, these guys were heroes, man. They, they faced things that what I faced that, it was minuscule compared to what they did. Um, at least in my eyes, those guys were the true heroes, man. Um, I was just a freaking peon compared to what they did, what they went through. And that was the draft. <laughs> you had no choice. I. I was stupid enough to sign up, but uh, these guys, they, they didn't get a choice to say, oh, well, I don't feel like signing up today. Uh, no, no, no. It was you either sign up or you go to jail. Yep. And they got a lot of recognition for the things that they, they had to endure. It was actually brought to them at that time. And, you know, they were given the attaboys that, that they should have gotten. And you know, a lot of the Vietnam vets will tell you it was too little too late, but, you know, I got to look at it. It's better than nothing ever. So, and, you know, it was, it was a, it was a big fanfare. We, uh, my, I was one of the people that actually went to New York City to, uh, uh, it was the Desert Storm Parade, I guess, or something like that, uh, representing my unit. Um, it was a big parade down whatever road that was in the middle of uh, New York City. It uh, was the last uh, official thing that the, my unit actually did before it was disbanded and became a part of another division. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. It was a red carpet thing, man. Um, yeah, a bunch of, you know, pomp and sur- as, the, as we would call it, it was a uh, Class A cluster fox. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were
1: wearing our desert the, the best pair of desert uh, best desert uniform we had. it was starched and it was pressed, and it was so pristine you could have eaten off of it, and we were glad to take them sun's pictures off when we were done it. <laughs> sure, it was, sure, a, not it was a, just nothing more than a a, a road march for us. I mean, we walked, it was like two miles, I think it was, uh, for the parade route, and we were in our, our best-looking desert camouflage that we had, along with our Kevlar's, and it was hot, and, you know, we did it for the people, because we really didn't want to be there, we wanted to be getting drunk. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to lie, you know, we wanted to get shit-faced drunk, um, and... Okay. Uh, I remember coming back, um, we had a stopover in, um, in Germany, it was uh, Ramstein Air Force Base, and we stayed there for about a week so that we could get everything of ours through customs. Now, that was a lot of shit, I mean, uh, all of our gear that, that, that came with us had to go through customs and it had to get unpacked and repacked. Each person, it took them about uh, two hours to get through customs, each person. That's one person every two hours, yeah. all right, and we had like five or six different lines that we were going through, so we had to wait till everyone got through, and then we, everyone boarded the plane again and we took off again. them. Um, the wonderful thing about Ramstein Air Force Base is it's in Germany. <laughs> And uh, I remember after we were cleared, at least after me and a couple of my friends were cleared through customs, uh, we made a little pilgrimage up to Amsterdam. Mm. They dragged me out of that area, kicking and screaming, and
0: crying because I wanted to stay. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard interesting things about Amsterdam,
1: man. They're all true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every bit of them. Lovely. Boy, do it.
1: There's a part of Amsterdam that I was just in a, in a in a foggy haze, and I care to remember it that way. Marvellous. <laughs> Marvellous. Uh, yes, the red light district was great. <laughs> <laughs> just glad I did all my crazy stupid shit before social media was invented, because
0: uh, otherwise I'd probably be still in prison. <laughs>
1: <somewhere>. <laughs> Fair
0: enough, too. <laughs> So, Amsterdam, I'm pretty sure all the drugs are completely legal and all the prostitution is also legal. Well, the, Does that sort of uh, the one major
1: drug that they had there, you know, was legal that I liked? And, and we'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay, fair so enough. I choked on a little bit of it earlier. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> not even sure oh, yeah, why. Sorry, yeah. I've got a short memory. You'll, you'll have to forgive me, I've forgotten already. Um. So you jumped off Amsterdam, you sort of uh, shuffled off home, or was that Germany so to Amsterdam yeah. and then went home, is that correct? Well, I, uh, uh, well, while we were in Germany waiting for
1: the rest of the unit to go through, we took a, me and a couple of guys took that pilgrimage up to Amsterdam, yes. and we came back, um, I think we were there overnight, and we came back the next day, and we were in Germany for about maybe two or three more days before we actually Jumped onto the flight and went back home. It was a what a seventeen hour flight. We stopped in Norfolk for refueling and then back to texas mm-hmm. and I remember getting off that plane and it was broad daylight there was uh as we came out of the airport because it was a airport on the base the airport was on the base as we comes through the gates of the airport, there was an M1 uh, Abrams sitting there along with a uh, uh, M2 Bradley. Uh, they gave us a, a, a main gun salute type thing, you know, a simulation, of course. Um, as we're driving down the highway to get to the base, uh, people are stopped alongside the road waving American flags and yellow ribbons at us. Um, and we're all waving back to them because we're all crazy and... <laughs> they didn't let us have any alcohol on the way over there But on the way back, that was a completely different story, man yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes They actually had to, they actually had to cut my, my particular uh, plane off Because we were getting lit
0: <laughs>
1: There wasn't maybe about a handful of them that were actually legal um, I came back in, of course, in 91 I was not 21 yet but, you know, the way that my command looked at it is, like, this motherfucker just came back from war. Give him a fucking beer. Yep. And as long as, you know, we had a party at, 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 the, uh, at the unit where, you know, no one was allowed to leave the, 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 bata- or the, the company area because, you know, you were drinking. And as long as you didn't leave the company area, man, you were okay because, you know, you were confined because you were drinking. If you left and you got picked up by the MPs, that's a different story and guess what you might as well sell your soul to the devil because your ass now belongs to the sergeant major you. <laughs> And that man I've seen him make lieutenants disappear. Ooh. Never heard from him again. imagine that um, <laughs> yeah uh, they did they did uh, give us a party the the actual company the battalions held a party um, and we broke down into companies. And uh we were allowed to drink, even though we weren't of age, but you know we weren't allowed to leave the company area, and we were okay with that, man, because we, <laughs> we' barely make it back up to our rooms by the time we were done.
0: Hmm.
1: it was uh it was it was really you know it kind of gave you that warm feeling inside, almost kind of like when you fish your pants when you're too drunk to get up and take a leak and. <laughs> uh, uh yeah it was it was really different for me um after that, um you know just adjusting back to the regular humdrum life of you know being in garrison and all that and being a soldier again, that's what took a little bit um, It took a long time and to, you know to this day it's it still. Hard for me to sleep. Um, I mentioned it before, I go usually about three to four days before I actually completely shut down and go to sleep. I'll doze maybe a little bit, but nothing to where I can't wake up immediately. Um, I've been doing this now for, good God, since 2007. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's it's just my way of dealing and coping and I know it's not healthy. I know it isn't but it works and You know daddy was an engineer. He said if it works don't fucking fix it <sighs>
0: That's fair too. So this is like basically you're just gone two three days like we're talking what 24 48 36 hours of my cre. Is is yeah. that's good. Is my, yeah. yeah, so this is just to what ward off the PTSD the nightmares Oh the night! Oh fucking hell, man! That's the and they're actually
1: they're not even classified as nightmares for me. They're called night terrors. Jesus, I I still wake up sometimes swinging. It's it's really hard to deal with that because I know what happens. I know that I fight in my sleep. I, I swing. I throw punches. I kick. Um. The last couple times I've had real bad nightmares, I've been able to, you know, shake myself out of it. But, you know, immediately I'm up and out of that bed and I'm looking around and I'm making sure that I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I gotta get aware of my surroundings real quick because if I don't, that's when I freak out. And, you know, a little, little, little hard to talk about this putt, but it's, it's something that I don't like dealing with. And the fix to this, is to, to stay awake until I can't function anymore, and that's when I sleep. Gotcha. And I'm smart enough to know that, you know, if if that period in time comes while I'm on the road or something behind the wheel, I will pull over. I know when I can feel it coming on where, I, where I'm starting to get tired behind the wheel or something like that. And mm-hmm. if am someplace where I can pull over, I'll pull over into a Walmart parking lot, I don't give a fuck, I'll sleep. My, my vehicle has veteran plates on it. I've, I've got stickers all over my, my vehicle saying that I'm a Desert Storm veteran. Um, and for the most part, you know, they don't mess with me. No. Yep. Um, but I know that if I don't get to that point to where I completely
0: just shut down, I won't sleep. Understood. And Instead, I'll have the nightmares. Um, so, just going to be blunt here, man, because I'm a big fan of asking the blunt questions. You know, you... Um, the old lady, as you call her. Uh, mm-hmm. She...
1: That woman is my savior. All right. She has been able to grasp maybe just a tiny fragment, but a fragment nevertheless. She understands. She... She, can, she can't relate to it, she doesn't have anything to put next to you to, to, to relate to what I go through. But she understands. She was right there next to me. I, mean, I had a nervous breakdown. All the refreshed memories that I had. The things that I had done in Desert Storm came to the surface and that's when my whole nightmare started. And it's been a, a, a horrible nightmare ever since. I wouldn't even wish this upon my first wife, and I wouldn't piss in her mouth if it was on fire and she was dying first.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, fair enough too. Got a lot of
1: love there for her these days,
0: you know. Uh, mhm. <laughs> well, I, I basically I, we're not even going to ask about her because that's got uh, nothing to do with the topic and the situation. And yeah, look, that's separate to everything here, mm-hmm. man. So we will let that's that one another podcast. podcast. <laughs> oh, no, we'll leave that one for the way, <laughs> side. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's, you've it's, obviously got, like, water... Oh, sorry, go yeah.
1: She, She, um, you know, we've been together the, uh, the day after Thanksgiving this year will be 18 years now, man. Hmm. Yeah, that's a long time. Uh, that is a we, long stretch. Yeah, and we're not even married. No. Yeah, you know, there's no legally binding document saying that this man and this woman, holy match. No, we're living in sin and we like it that way. Um, it's
0: one of those things, man. It's like, you know, you can have a big ceremony and can put a ring on and pay, you know, $18,000 for it, or you can actually show each other that you actually mean it. You're cool. do need a piece
1: of paper from my local government telling me who I love. Right. And that's what it is. Exactly. She's a... Uh, she has got full. if something happens to me she's on my my uh my medical records as my next of kin and that's all it's the the hipaa act uh here in the states and that says that she has control over anything that happens to me if i'm not able to you know answer the
0: questions myself now does that include when you've just ripped a bong uh at times yeah she might you know <laughs> She might
1: even rip one with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: living in sin She's is the thing. She has gotta be so. in the right mood. She does not like bongs too much because uh, she likes mm. to keep her lungs intact. Me on the other hand, I prefer them on the floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, after uh after thinking of the second podcast, I swear I heard you re-ingesting them.
1: Uh maybe, but I'll never <laughs> confirm nor deny that. <laughs> Top secret information, sir. If you tell anyone, you have to kill them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, too. Yeah. Hey, um, well, uh, once all the um smoking ceremony, see me smoke and put me out. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> once the ceremony pomp and fanfare had come home, like oh, I've had finished up. When you come home, sort of, what happened then? Did you find it sort of like just? Boring? Did you like, actually find that you just had nothing to do? What, what we sort of spent happened? spent a lot of
1: time in the field.
0: <laughs> my
1: unit became the... Uh, in, in, in my brigade, we became the rapid deployment brigade for the division we came into. Um, which, I'm not going to mention the division names or anything like that, but we became the third brigade of this division and we became their rapid deployment brigade. That means that if something happened and we were activated. We would my brigade was the first one to go.
0: Now I just to clarify here, so what happened was you came back, you got into army training, you basically stayed almost active just in case the next war came along and you just had to be Fuck. So you came home to no retirement whatsoever. You were back into active duty just on home soil. Oh, exactly. I mean, I was still I was still in the in the army. I mean, I was still a soldier. Right.
1: Still signed up, and I still had a uh, an obligation for a couple more
0: oh. years to fulfill. So, when you sign up, how many years you sign up for? Four. Well, at least I had. Of those four, I served two. Okay. Um,
1: when I came home, I came home to a mess, believe it or not, with my my first wife. Mm. She had. Done a lot of things that were really not ethical. Um, She had wrote a bunch of bad checks. And Uh. had a power of attorney with my name on it. And she signed my name to the checks. Uh. Uh, And when they started piling up, they piled up to $1,500. Now, thank God that not a single one of them was over hundred dollars or else they could have really thrown the book at me because it was civilian authorities that came after me I once I found out about it I uh, I told my NCOs about it Uh, the non-commissioned officers in my unit or my platoon I explained to them exactly what had happened and they were like oh don't worry about this we're gonna we're gonna handle it we're gonna take care of you we got you covered and the minute that the MPs showed up to arrest me for the civilian authorities, they turned their backs. Ooh. And one particular NCO that, you know, he had it in for me. He didn't like me from the day he met me. Uh, and subsequently it ended my military career. Ah, uh, kid. Yep. I that I was... Uh, but I was released under uh, Chapter 11 Unsatisfactory Performance. I was given a general under Honorable Conditions Discharge, which is, you know, it's not bad. Alright. They understood that uh, well, at least after I, I talked to the higher-ups, they understood that it was not my fault, but uh, disciplinary action
0: had to be taken. Could I ask i no, I'm not even fucking you if I can ask a blunt question. I'm just going to say it bluntly. Um... So, they basically wanted to get rid of you and they found any fucking excuse.
1: This one particular NCO, yes. Yeah. He made it happen. He would, yeah. and, you know, I, I, I've talked to a guys in my platoon since then. Yeah, I'm, I'm good friends with them. And we talk on, uh, on social media all the time. And this particular NCO, after the, cha- the, uh, the paperwork was signed and I was chaptered out, he went, uh, he stood up in front of the, uh, the rest of the platoon and said, well, that's one down. I've only got two more to go before I'm, I'm happy with the platoon again.
0: Oh. Yeah, and, you know, you go out there to fight the enemy, and who is the fucking enemy? Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, listen, Fawn, I'm going to wrap this one up for now. Uh, are you interested in doing another one And you know, maybe a couple of days, a couple of uh, weeks, whatever? Whenever, sir. You yeah, fantastic. i got my... You, you've got
1: anything you want to hear from me, man. I, I'm not... I, this has been a... Kind of a therapeutic for me. Oh,
0: thank you so, some so much. Some things that I uh,
1: needed to talk about. Maybe, hopefully, educate some people. You know, it's... It's, it's not all, you know... Roses and, and shit when you're in the service. A lot of bad things can happen. And this is why our veterans are dropping off the face of the earth at 22 a day. Yes. That's the one thing I I hope that people understand about this, that, you know, I, I refuse to be a number. Yes. There's others out there that see no, no light at the end of the tunnel. And those are the ones that are falling between the cracks and the, and the floors and why the VA needs to step up and start, especially our congressman needs to step up and start taking care of our veterans because there's far too many of our veterans right now that are living on the streets. They need so, help, man. And if <coughs> nothing else, man, that's why I, I want to get across to people. They need help. So please, if you see a veteran, anyone, anytime I see a veteran, whether, you know, what, regards to the branch of service, I'll walk over to that person. And I'll thank them for their service, and I make it pretty abundantly clear to people that I'm a veteran just by the hat that I wear. And it says that I'm a veteran, and when another veteran comes up and and thanks another veteran, that you know I, it, it means something to them. So, you know, if you see a veteran, you can tell they're a veteran. then go over to them and thank them for their service because they, there's only two. Entities that have ever said that they would give their life for you. One was Jesus Christ, and the other was the American soldier. Jesus Christ fought for your soul. The American soldier fought for your freedom. So that's nothing else comes from these podcasts. That's what I want to come to come from. Them. And on that. Well, Ron, this is your show.
0: End it for us, please, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening to uh, Fon and Rowny. Uh Look, folks, if you are actually keen to uh, continue listening, please do the thing. Can click the like, click the subscribe, and if you really enjoy the show, please click the share. And, look, we shall catch you next round. Thank you so much, Fawn. Thank you, and don't forget, if you... Eh, eh. If you can't be good, be good at it and just name mm-hmm. it after me.